When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I, I'm not judging these guys on size or color. I, I just think they were boring and dumb. Well, <laughs> Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. This is the best time of the year when Mike Sando starts talking to all the inside sources, inside league offices mm-hmm. for ESPN.com. He does his quarterback rankings every year. He does a good job, and he puts the stuff together. Just He'll go talk to the scouting director of an AFC team or the personnel coordinator Unnamed. of an NFC East team. Who's yeah. going to spill his guts. And so let's get Matthew Collar into the conversation here from the uh, website 1500ESPN.com, the Purple Podcast. This is a quote from ESPN.com, Matthew. I'm just going to read this to you. This is an unnamed executive in the off-season grades, and these are the, these are grades handed out by unnamed executives about other teams. So it's just a gossipy column. Are you ready for this, Matthew? I am ready. Yes. All right. The Vikings went out and said, "This is a quote from an executive." The Vikings went out and said, "We've talked ourselves through the professional tape, and Kirk Cousins makes more throws in more situations than Case Keenum, so he's going to give us that little extra nudge we need to win those games when the defense is not at its best." An exec said, I believe he's capable of doing that. The rest is fit. And I'm not going to get into whether he's aloof and what his teammates think of him and whether that's why Redskins President Bruce Allen didn't like him and called him Kurt during his press conferences. Uh, and then he went on, the article goes on to, to other reasons why, uh, like, Kirk Cousins might not be the greatest, but the Vikings are essentially just paying a premium for something that's more of a sure thing. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, there's a really interesting quote that I'm going to work on a a story on here from that same article where one executive says that Kirk Cousins isn't a finisher. And I I thought that that was the most interesting comment here because, you know, the the one thing that Kirk Cousins does not have in his career, you know, he's been to the Pro Bowl, he's got the 4,000-yard seasons, he's got big statistics, but the one thing he doesn't really have is a whole lot of wins. I mean, he doesn't have a a great win-loss record. And I know that you know, we can look at win-loss records for great quarterbacks, and sometimes they have up-and-down seasons. But when you get to the end of their careers, you know, the, the good quarterbacks win a heck of a lot more than the average quarterbacks or the bad quarterbacks. It all usually shakes out over a big sample size. And now Kirk Cousins is going to have all the excuses washed away. Like, now he's playing for a really competent franchise, not one where the president calls him Kurt. And he's going to be playing with a lot of great weapons. He's going to have a defense that's going to get him the ball. He's going to have a running back that could be an all-pro this year in, in Delvin Cook coming back. 
So I guess we're really going to find out. And it's, and it's a little bit odd to be saying we're going to find out about a guy that you spent $84 million guaranteed on. But it is interesting to me, and it sticks out a bit, that his reputation around the league is that he's not a guy that is going to be the one you want with the ball in his hands at the end of a big game or, or somebody who's going to finish a game like that. I mean, that, that to me really did stick out about that article. And now for, for the real reckless speculation in this Mike Sando column. Oh, sorry. That that was wanna, my, yeah, that, that, that was your that cue was to play. Uh, I'm sorry. The reckless speculation. Reckless speculation. Yeah. I read Matthew Collar from a paragraph that says another NFL executive said he believes the Vikings are working on signing Bar Hunter and Diggs and even floating the idea of trading one of the three down the road. In your opinion, if this is correct, which one of the three would get traded, and how much could you get, do you think, if you decided we could sign two of the three, we can't sign the third, and rather than allowing that player to walk away as a free agent, we're going to get value for that person? I mean, that just didn't make any sense at all to me. Like, when are you trading? That's what I want to know. That's what's reckless. I mean, are you signing all three, or are you trading one before you get to free agency? And why would you be trading one of your more talented players, unless you're getting something really great in return. But how often does that really ever happen in the NFL? We don't see a whole lot of trades at all. So, I mean, if you went to all three guys and they all said, uh, or one or two of them said, all right, we're not re-signing, why would you trade them as opposed to keeping them and trying to win the Super Bowl this year? I mean, that doesn't really register uh, with me. I, I was very confused about that. I mean, maybe they mean you could sign all three, and then if you don't have room to keep them later on, that you eventually make a trade, and that might be a possibility. But, I mean, the way I look at it is with Diggs, Hunter, and Barr, they want to sign all three of these guys, and they have uh, a great cap guy. They're excellent at working uh, contracts out so they can keep everybody, and I, I think that they will try. It really comes down to whether Daniil Hunter and Stephon Diggs want to stay, and they can still keep all three even if one of the three doesn't want to stay because they could use the franchise tag there. But if Hunter and Diggs said, no, we're both going to hit the market, then you're going to have to pretty much choose which one to pay out or just be guaranteed to lose one of them. But the, the trade scenario, I, I just can't see that. Yeah. Uh, on on Daniil Hunter, it, we talked about this on yesterday's show that Mike Zimmer wants him to be just a little bit more. Uh, he wants more sacks, essentially, and, and there's been pressures. But how has Daniil Hunter been in the pressures department, in the quarterback hits department? Uh, were, were his sack totals being down last year? Was that a red flag of any kind, or was it just sort of, hey, you know, you're going to have some seasons where you don't get to the quarterback the extra four or five times? Yeah, I think it was a little bit of a combination. I mean, his his pressure numbers were down. He played a lot more snaps and had quite a bit fewer, I think five and a half fewer sacks last year, which is, I mean, something to look at a little bit. But sack numbers do fluctuate. I mean, even with the best pass rushers of all time, there will be some seasons where they have 20 and other seasons where they have 10. And, that, I mean, that's a pretty big discrepancy from year to year. And usually, like you said, what you want to see is just that they're being disruptive he still had a very good year last year. I wouldn't say that it was maybe as great as people expected going in. Uh, I think when someone at his young age gets 12 and a half sacks, you expect that year after year that that's going to be the case. Um, but when I look at Hunter, I, I see a guy who's still progressing and still learning to be in every single down defensive end. I, I think he'll probably play 85, 90% of the snaps this year, and he's in good shape to do that considering his age. 
But when you look at what his value would be around the league, when a player like that, someone who has recently had 12 and a half sacks and is going to be very young when he hits the free agent market, I mean, that's a guy that could earn up to $17, $18 million a year if you look at the other prices. I mean, if any uh, pass rusher comes on the market, they get paid huge, huge dollars because every team now realizes that you win by passing and stopping the pass. And if you look at what Philadelphia did last year with their defensive line and how disruptive they were, and now what the Rams paid out to bring in Indomitian Sue, I mean, these defensive linemen are now the most sought-after commodity aside from a quarterback, probably in the entire NFL, which means, Daniil Hunter, if you're him, I think you would probably bet on yourself. I mean, if they came to you and said, we'll give you 14 or $15 million a year, you might say, well, I, if I have another 10-sack season, I'm getting paid big money out there on the free agent market, so maybe I'm going to do that. If Rashad Hill is the opening day right tackle for this team, what is your confidence in the in the O-line in that case? Uh, I would say that this offensive line, if Rashad Hill's the starter right tackle and Mike Remmers is a guard, can be an average offensive line, but everyone probably has to stay healthy in order to be an average offensive line. And then if anyone gets hurt, you're talking about starting to, to scramble and shuffle things around and have Remmers go back to right tackle. I mean, the interesting thing about wanting to move Remmers to guard is that I thought outside of maybe a rocky start in the first two weeks, he was very good at right tackle last year. And I'm looking at right tackle as being just as valuable as left tackle these days or very, very close. Once upon a time, it was everyone just put that one guy on the, on the left tackle. But now it's, I mean, the, the pass rushers are so good that right tackles are getting paid huge dollars too. And to have a guy in Rashad Hill who's been a backup and was an undrafted guy who did a great job when he was asked to fill in, but you're asking him now to start 16 games against some of the best pass rushers in the NFL – and if you go through their schedule, they are playing many of the best defenses, many of the best pass rushers. I think you do worry about that spot. And the other thing is, too, that you know Hill is not a great run blocker. And that's a thing that they really want to do this year with uh, Delvin Cook coming back is have a great running game to support Kirk Cousins. And he limits you a little bit there. But I, it might be the best option since they didn't draft a guard. Did you guys see this Terrell Owens statement that just came out like a few minutes ago? No. Okay, it's weird. To- total deviation here. So, uh-huh. so two things. I don't, and I don't know if one has anything to do with the other one. T- Terrell Owens was on Fox Sports Radio this week and, and said, "At age forty-four, I'm still running four five forties, and I'm not actively seeking the league, but like I would absolutely go to training camp if someone wants to make me the first Hall of Famer to ever play in an, in a game as an active player." But he said. <laughs> I'm so grateful for all the support of my family, friends, and certainly my fans have shown me throughout my NFL career. Um, when it was announced that I was going to be in the Hall of Fame, the response received by my, you know, my fans was so overwhelming. I'm truly humble, blah, 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 blah. While I am incredibly appreciative of the opportunity, I've made the decision to publicly decline my invitation to attend the induction ceremony in Canton. What? I don't think this has ever happened before. I've already shared this information with the Hall of Fame. After visiting Canton earlier this year, I came to the realization that I wish to celebrate what will be one of the most memorable days of my life elsewhere. At a later date, I will announce where and when I will celebrate my induction. And then he thanks the teams he played for and congratulates all the past, current, and future inductees. It's an honor. So he's, I don't know. He hasn't given any information as to like what has 
prompted this, but he's always been an well, odd dude, first, Matthew uh, Collar. Uh, yes, he has. Uh, you know that he uh, <clears throat> was given the key to the city in Buffalo? Did you know that? Wow. For when that, they, for they, that uh, stint uh, with the Bills? When they acquired Jones, they gave him the key to the city because that's because uh, that's Buffalo. Where that franchise was at at that point. Um, wow. What, with Terrell, my first thought with Terrell Owens doing this was, you know, is it brought to you by Reese's Candy or something? Where he's going to be? <laughs> totally will be. Yeah. Like is he, is he just going to be doing sit ups in his driveway with his agent? Next Drew question. Yeah. yeah. Next statement. <laughs> I, I mean, you, you've got to figure that he's going to use this as some sort of way to make money, because my understanding was that he was not in great financial situation a few years back. But, I mean, this is sort of typical. If one player was ever going to do this, it was going to be this guy. But, I mean, it does make him look like a jackass, no doubt. Like, just take your gold jacket and be happy. I know you had to wait a few years. It was wrong that you had to fa- wait a few years. But now you're kind of, like, disrespecting the whole thing by not showing up. It's one of the coolest nights in all sports when they have all those guys go up and do their speeches and then, you know, having it there in Canton. I mean, it's like the perfect place for football. There's so much sort of mystique around that. And and then they've got the Hall of Fame game and everything is just perfect about that. And for him to kind of spit on it by not going, it, it is just, it's typical him, but it's also kind of disappointing because I think all of us were in the camp, excuse me, we were in the camp that, he deserved to be in earlier than he was. He didn't deserve to sit out on the sidelines because of what kind of player he was. And it's almost like he's doing something that he would have done when he was a player to just be petulant in a way. And it's like, come on, Owens, did you have to do this? So is is he is he going to now try and give his induction speech at another event, which I don't think you can probably do? I mean, this is absolutely bizarre. This isn't... I, yeah, I don't know. And, Are and, they going to Skype it in? And by the way, here's the best part. Randy Moss now looks like the most well-adjusted human being on the face of the earth compared to this guy. Good for Randy. Randy Moss, who who we all thought was a loose cannon, right? Back in, in the day, I play when I want to play and all this stuff. Randy Moss now looks like he is incredibly well-adjusted and functional, and T.O. continues to look like, as you said, a jackass. It is always fascinating how the perception of, of certain players changes after their careers are over because you're right at the end of uh, Moss's career I think we all would have said like talk about a guy who's aloof and and what's this guy even going to do after football because he's such a goofball and then you know now he's got a broadcasting career and he comes off as as not just being well adjusted but also classy in a lot of ways right like just with the way he handled the whole thing with the Vikings last year was really well done and, uh, you know, I, I was thinking of this with, like, Derek Jeter and Alex Rodriguez not too long ago, that at the end of Jeter's career, we all would have said, boy, that's just the <laughs> definition of a great guy, right? Just the captain. everything you ever want an athlete to be. And we would have said A-Rod was the biggest jerk ever. And now they've flipped entirely with Jeter being an evil sports owner and A-Rod <laughs> being this nice, friendly broadcast. Yeah, exactly. All right, Matthew Collar, find him on the Purple Podcast and on 1500ESPN.com. His three-part Kirk Cousins series is still out there, too, uh, if, you, if you want to uh, go check that out. Great stuff. The final piece to that was exploring different plays the Vikings could run with Kirk Cousins slash John Filippo as the masterminds. And uh, you can find that at 1500ESPN.com. All right, see you, Collar. See you, bye. Thanks, guys. Yep. Um, yeah, oh, I've got something for you on, on the, sort of the Hall of Fame wide receiver front when we come back. We'll, we'll play back the scoop of Doogie. 
Are we going to put a call in? What's the status on this off-air conversation we've been having? We're efforting. The uh, the person we're trying to get on the air here for Judd's, I'm not sure if it's benefit. Embarrassed or, by him. Not sure what it is, but uh, he might be in the middle of a very important ceremony right now. I'm not sure. I'm not hearing okay. back from him. But. Well, we got, we got a few segments to find. Or to, drinking a beer, and we just don't know it. Or both. Yeah, probably both. Probably exactly. both, yep. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Man, isn't this the greatest? On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. Prepare to be dazzled. On 1500 ESPN. The Twins have a runner on second base here. Rosario just doubled, right? This is their last chance with this lineup right now because once you get to the four-hitter Lomo all the way down, it's pretty ugly. So Escobar's batting third today. Rosario's in second. No score, bottom of the first, one out, and uh, James Shields on the mound. James Shields still in Major League Baseball. 47 years old. Good God. About my age. So, all right, this just a fun little experiment. Off Terrell Owens sent out a, a, a press release basically saying, um, oh, do we have, hold on, pause. Oh, we have this. Okay, pause this football thought for a second. I'm going to let Judd talk to Chris Reavers right now. Hey, Uh-oh. hi, Chris, how are you today? Uh-oh, what am I being set up I, for? I understand. Should we set this up at all or no? Well, wait, wait let's, let's allow him to explain. I sure. I understand that you won't be joining uh, GL or the ride today. No. So why don't you tell us why you're taking the day off? I'm taking the day off. It's my son's last day of kindergarten, so we got the whole let's take photos in front of the school, let's go get some ice cream crap. Is this considered a graduation by chance, a kindergarten graduation? No, and in fact, I'll have you know that I was looking at the agenda. Yep. Around Christmas time, about you know the, the calendar of events throughout the school year, and I would have pulled my son out of school had they done a kindergarten graduation. Oh, see, then I'm proud. <laughs> okay. okay, I'm much more okay. proud of you now. Then. So Judd, so Judd found out that Paul Molitor wasn't going to show up to the ballpark until right around first pitch because he had to attend his son's eighth grade graduation, which prompted a Ooh. rant by Judd for like Ooh. ten minutes about the absurdity of everything before high school graduation, these, like, manufactured graduations. And when we caught wind where you were today, we thought, oh, this is going to set Judd off. But it sounds like you guys are on the same page. Yeah, it sounds, you know, yeah. I, and normally, I, 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 I guess I'm frightened by the fact that Judd and I are on the same page. Um, <laughs> but I will say that I, I agree with him. In fact, there was one, a friend of mine had his son's kindergarten graduation, and he posted about it on Facebook, and all I responded with, you all should be bleeping ashamed of yourself. <laughs> well, bravo, Chris Reavers. That's fine, then. I, I was just very afraid that, that that you were actually taking a day off from work to go to a kindergarten graduation for your kid, and I was going to uh, be very down on you if that was the case. But And, and let's be honest, I'm on my fifth surly at the ballpark. Who are we kidding? That's what I wondered, too. I thought to myself, you know, he probably told his kid, ah, Daddy Daddy will be home tonight, Daddy but right now. Daddy will be home to pick you up, buddy. Don't you worry. Daddy's heading down to Twins White Sox to watch <laughs> James Shields pitch and drink seven beers for $49 or 50 I'll have you know, Reavers, that once you and Judd start agreeing on, on parenting philosophies, I think that's the beginning of the end. Oh, God, that's a good point. Yep. All right. Wow. We'll let you get back to the festivities. Thanks, Reavers. Enjoy. Okay. Enjoy okay. the ice Chris cream Reavers. and beers. Two to nothing. And now Lomo, is that a double by Lomo double there, by too? Double by Lomo. It was. Eduardo yes. Escobar right with an absolute rake over the uh, the overhang in right field for another home run. His 12th home run of the year. Twins up 2 nothing 
and James Shields, as he has been for five years, on the ropes. And now it's Robbie Grossman. Yeah, the lineup just gets progressively more <laughs> disgusting. So just for fun here, and I, I went back, I think my math is right on this. If you're wondering, how valuable are top Hall of Fame caliber wide receivers? Uh-huh. If you have a if you've got a guy who's just out there, Hall of Fame caliber, a Terrell Owens, fifteen thousand nine hundred thirty four career yards. Larry Fitzgerald is going to catch him. He's fifteen thousand five hundred forty five. So Fitzy's going to wind up second all time in receiving yards. How valuable are those guys? Because I I was just off the top of my head thinking Terrell Owens doesn't have a ring, Randy Moss doesn't have a ring, and I get that it's a fifty three man roster, but. We put these wide receivers on these pedestals, right? You got to pay him $15 million and you got to have an Odell Beckham Jr. and such and such. If you take the top 19 quarterbacks, all time passing yards, and count the rings, I counted 21 Super Bowl rings. And that doesn't include Johnny Unitas. Johnny Unitas is on that list and he won some NFL championships that I'm not even counting here. Yep. He won one Super Super Bowl. Bowl. Yep. 21 rings combined between the top. Uh, 19 quarterbacks, mm-hmm. just yardage-wise. Mm-hmm. If you take Jerry Rice off, and Jerry Rice has, oh, it's five, uh, I think it's four Super Bowl rings, whatever, four or five of them. Let's let's take Jerry Rice off the top. It's kind of unfair, but we'll take him off the top. And let's look at the other top 18 wide receivers, all-time career receiving yards. Four combined Super Bowl rings. So the quarterback list has 21. Yep. The receiver list has four. Terrell Owens, no ring. Larry Fitz, nope. Randy Moss, nope. Isaac Bruce, one. Mm-hmm. Tony Gonzalez, right? No. No. Tim Brown, no. Steve Smith, I don't think. No, Carolina. And Baltimore. Yep. Uh, no. Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne each have one. Yep. Uh, Andre Johnson, no. No. James Lofton, no. No. Packers and Bills. Chris Carter, no. Anquan Bolden, no. Henry Ellard, I don't think so. Yep. Does he have one? No. No, no, no. Rams, I'm, I'm right? saying yeah. no. Your, your list. So Tory Holt right. has one. Andre Reid, yep. no. Steve Largent, no. Irving Fryer, no. <laughs> there's there's your value. Well, I don't know what that means, but it's interesting. I just want to know what. His TO just lost it? Like, this is a really bizarre. This this, this isn't just uh, um, your, oh man, that's TO being TO. That's, it's really bizarre. To decide you're not, you're going into the Hall of Fame. And you're not dead, and you're not going to show up for it. So it's either, Kyler's either right, it's either a money grab of some kind where he's going to hold some event so, where he can profit off of all right. of this day, or he's mad because the writers in the process, the, the writers always rubbed him, he hates the media. He thinks the media has completely screwed over his legacy, and so could it be that because this is kind of a media-created event that he wants to stay away from it, he's grateful, but he wants to stay away because he feels like the media has... Trashed his legacy. I wonder what what the what they're gonna do though. I mean, this is really really odd. It's really weird. Even I mean, you you think about the amount of guys who, who have gone into halls of fame in baseball, basketball, football, ho- hockey, and you've had through the years a lot of guys who couldn't stand th- the people that eventually elected them. And for this one, they all basically mm-hmm. show unless they're dead, they show up. Yeah. Also, if if you're gonna start to think of speeches that you would anticipate. Wouldn't Terrell Owens be pretty high on that list? Just what's he going to say? Is he going to tell stories? Is he going to cry? Is and he does gonna... he somehow think, is he thinking that he can give a speech from somewhere else and well, make money sure off could. of it? I don't know. And that they'll carry it? This has a lot of tentacles. But I think if you're the Hall of Fame, you're going to have. 
you have to address it. I mean, you can't just say, oh, okay, thanks. Well they, well, they have. They've, they've said, we're going to continue on. You know, we respect T.O.'s decision. I'm just paraphrasing their statement. We respect his decision. While unprecedented, we're going to carry on with the event and blah, blah, blah. I mean, they're not going to rip him. It's, and it wasn't like he sent no, out I'm a note saying, trashing the Hall of Fame. It was right. he, he was as respectful as possible saying, I just don't, I'm not going to go. Oh, <laughs> a bunch of other people have stolen my driveway setups joke now I see on Twitter. Next question. Those were you talk. You talk about two human beings who deserved each other, Rosenhaus and T.L. Where they were, they were just. It's the perfect marriage of agent and player. Yeah, perfect. Uh, tw- marriage. Twins up two rip. It looks like two, they didn't low mode didn't score right. Two rip after the first inning. Yeah, ground out and a strikeout to end the inning. On uh, James Shields, we had Doogie in studio about two and a half hours ago for his weekly scoop session. We're gonna play some. I guess we're going to play like a 10-minute chunk when we come back here. We'll dive into that. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studio. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. Hang on a second. On 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. You'll find us most uncooperative. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd, we're keeping an eye on this Twins game. Barrios on the mound. Second inning, Twins already up 2 nothing because Eduardo Escobar hits bombs now. They got a chance now. Just an absolute rope. I love how he swings as hard as he can now. This dude came up, he was just a slap hitter five years ago, mm-hmm. and now he's just hitting bombs all over the place. So Twins are up 2 nothing. Uh, we had Doogie around 10.15 today, and uh, I highly recommend his Scoop podcast, 1500ESPN.com. He has big-time headliner interviews every week. He sat down with Kirk Cousins. You can find that on the podcast. Uh, he also I, he doesn't like the term reckless speculation because he likes to think that it's informed speculation, which it is, but it still falls under the reckless umbrella. Yes, it does. And so he does a lot of reckless speculating. And we love it. And um, we talked to him. We'll start off with a Wolves conversation we had with him about free agency and what to expect here when the league year opens up on July 1st. We're less than a month away from the league year opening up of the NBA. I'm going to give you six names, courtesy of our friend Britt Robson, The Athletic. You take these six names, do whatever you want with them, and then add whatever you want to this, okay? These are these are guys that could potentially fit the three and or D, maybe both with a couple of them, and underneath that $8 million mid-level exception mark. Wayne Ellington, Tyreek Evans, Will Barton, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, kind of like him, Avery Bradley, Joe Harris. We've talked well, about Bradley on this show. I mean, I can go any number of directions. Caldwell Pope was Flip's guy, remember, back in the day. Actually, Oladipo was his guy that draft, but he couldn't get high enough. He was praying. That was the Mohammed draft, right? And Caldwell Pope went, what, a pick before the Wolves picked to Detroit. But that was Flip's guy. I mean, he's been pretty good. I mean, he shot the ball really well for the Lakers this year. He did. I don't know if he'd come here. He's a starter. He's a 33-minute guy. Yeah, where does he start here? He doesn't he's start like, here. He's better than Wiggins right now. He doesn't have the upside of Wiggins, but he's better than Wiggins right now. I would still bet on Wiggins long-term. Not that Caldwell Pope is an old guy, but I would still Take bet 25. on Wiggins' potential long-term. They did not have interest in Tyreek Evans a year ago. I think they made one sort of, let me just reach out phone call just to see, just to gauge the market, but there really wasn't strong interest when Evans was available a year ago. Not that that couldn't change. But just as a reference point that this front office didn't really pursue Tyreek Evans a year ago. Avery Bradley makes a ton of sense. But uh, you know, but again, I mean I talked about him last week with you guys. He does. Can you find a way to still get him 28 to 31, 32 minutes? We, I mean, that's we where can. Kids needs to bend a little bit. We can in this room, but Yeah, I mean, I think we can. Yeah, I mean, we absolutely can. I mean, he's my guy. 
I mean, I think he's really, really good. I think he's an excellent defender. He fought some injuries this past year. He can shoot the ball. I'm a big Avery Bradley fan. If you can get him for the mid-level, that would be a big-time win. That would be my number one target. Wolves news? They have a free agent camp this weekend. I mean, we're not talking household names, but a guy like Quincy Miller, he's been in the league before. What was he, like a Denver draft pick, Baylor kid? Played with Sacramento. Can he shoot threes or around. play defense? Well, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, some of the names I've heard, I mean, it's it's wing types. I mean, you think about all the homework they're doing on draft prospects. You know, Dante DiVincenzo in town earlier this week. You know, Bruce Brown of Miami in town earlier this week. Josh Okuji of Georgia Tech in town earlier this week. Grayson Allen doing either, might have been in town yesterday or maybe it's today, maybe it's tomorrow. Jacob Evans of Cincinnati in town early next week. There's a belief that Bates Diop from Ohio State in town soon. Gary Trent Jr. in town for sure soon. Kyrie Thomas of Creighton in town soon. Robinson from Boston College in town soon. If they end up keeping the 20th pick, I would be surprised if they don't take a wing. And then, yeah, based on the free agents they're bringing into town this weekend, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be some fours, maybe a five, maybe a one. I mean, the USC point guard, Melton, is due in town soon for a workout. So, I mean, they're looking at some of those other positions, but it is pretty clear that their number one priority this offseason is to add not one wing, multiple wings. How active do you think they'll be in trade talks, and then which players are most likely going to be brought up in those talks from from either side? Well, I mean, just going back to the trade trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, going back to February, I mean, Gorgie Jang was available. Now he's got three years, what is it, $42 million left? You can't give him away. I mean, I've said this before, but I'll reiterate it now. I know teams that really like Gorgie Jang. He's a good player. I don't know one team that likes the contract. <laughs> Which and, used to be a great hey, contract. It was. I mean, Two I told ago. you guys at the time. Yes. In this studio, I told you guys when he signed, four years, 62. Remember, his agent was was thinking, hey, look at the Gobert money. Look at the Steve Adams money. Not that Gorgie is those guys. But he shouldn't be $40 million less than those guys. Those yeah. are $100 million guys. They were aiming for $70 to $72 million. Then Glenn Taylor came in last second, talked about Gorgie being able to help Senegal, doing all this other work in Africa. Glenn Taylor convinced Gorgie at the last second. The agent was saying, don't sign the deal. And it's actually good he signed it because he would not have gotten that money a year later. But it was Glenn Taylor who sealed the deal at the end, getting Gorgie to sign four years, $62 million. And I told you at the time, because I thought the cap would keep going up, up, and up, I told you guys, I thought that was a really good deal. It was a team-friendly deal. But at this point, with the cap not going anywhere, it is a bad deal. So I don't know one team, unless you're taking back a ton of money. I mean, if you're taking back $40-plus million, you can move him. It's not like he's untradeable. There are certain contracts, like Luol Dang can't be traded. Like, the Lakers will have to end up stretching him. They can get out from under the contract, stretch out the cap hits. Like, you can't trade Luau Dang. The Wolves really want to. They can trade Gorgie Jang. They just need to take back a ton of money. So Gorgie would be atop that list. I mean, do I think they'll listen on Wiggins? I do. But then does Glenn Taylor approve a Wiggins deal? I do think the front office was more open I hope he does. than ownership in the Kyrie Irving talks. I do. But it just it never got to the point of, Anything getting super serious because my sense is ownership stepped in and said, no, we're not moving Andrew Wiggins. We are keeping Andrew Wiggins. Go for football. 
With uh, Vic Vermontos now going back to his junior college in California to play linebacker, what can you tell us about this uh, young man's brief experience here on campus? Well, here's what's interesting. So he's going back to that same junior college. He actually lives at home when he's at that junior college. So when did the semester end? Like early to mid-May? Yeah, somewhere in there. So he went back home. He was home for like one to two weeks. Got homesick. Got homesick. And he also knew. I mean... It's easy to get homesick when you are buried on the depth chart. Like, he was clearly number three after spring practice. Zach Anikstead, Tanner Morgan, clearly above him. And oh, by the way, you look at Kirk Shiraka's offense, the last handful of years, even going back to Western Michigan, those quarterbacks take hits. Like, it's 99.9%, I would bet on this, that both Morgan and Anikstead will play this year. Yeah. What's unfortunate is, the idea was... With Viramontis, that even if Morgan won the job, that Vic would get some snaps this year, that you could redshirt Zach Anikstead. At this point, it doesn't look like that's a possibility at all. By the way, remember that name. He's from southern Minnesota. He was the quarterback at IMG Academy. I heard you guys talking about him Mm -hmm. with Chip Scoggins. I am telling you, they think the world of him. Mm -hmm. He worked with the guys at the Quarterback Institute in the West Metro. And I know those guys, Grant and those guys. They love this kid. So, I'm just telling you, I know those guys to the point of they wouldn't lead me in that direction if sure. they didn't really believe in this kid. They've worked with this kid going back multiple years. They love him. He had an offer from Pittsburgh. I think Illinois or Cincinnati came in. He had Power 5 offers. He said no to those offers to be a preferred walk-on here. Now, he'll eventually be on scholarship. But right now, Zach Anikstead is a walk-on. But I'm just telling you. Remember that name. He is a bright future. So is that one more question off the the Gophers quarterback situation? It's obviously a whiff. It's a it's a recruiting whiff. And oh, it's, absolutely. A, it's a whiff. But is yes. it is it more of a whiff and an indictment on Viramontes and the evaluation of him? Or is there the other part of this too would be that maybe they've hit on a couple of young guys that they that are better than people thought or that they like a lot? Um or how would you weigh that sort of that scale? I mean both. I mean I'll also say this. This is my commentary. It's unfortunate that kids quit so easily. He was here for six months. Yeah. Toughen it out. I get it. If you're number three after a full year, maybe this time next year, then okay. Then I understand it to a degree. But to quit, I mean, that's what he did. He quit. He quit on his teammates. Mm -hmm. To quit six months in after 15 spring practices, give me a break. But yeah, I mean, I think they did a good job landing Anikstead. You know, Tanner Morgan was a big-time winner in high school. He doesn't have great size, but he won at a really high level. Really good competition in high school. So he has a chance. I mean, he's been here for a year, so he's the redshirt freshman. So I do think, I'm with Chip, I mean, opening night, I do think Tanner Morgan takes the first snap of the season. But I'm just telling you, Anikstead will play this year. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a miscalculation all around. I mean, they should have realized how much he is attached to Southern California. Like, just to think about just the personal adjustment. Could it work? I mean, the competition he played at that JUCO, and he'll continue to play, is not good. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I think there's blame all around. But I'm just telling you, on the kid himself, why do kids quit so easily? That bugs me. Yeah. In quick fashion, final scoops, including one on Byron Buxton. Byron Buxton had an MRI. You know, Molly talked loosely about Buxton yesterday. He did not say this. So, here's the scoop part of it. He had an MRI a few days ago. It revealed that same crack in his toe. So before he was playing through the crack, remember I told you, he couldn't use his lower body. 
he was playing through a ton of pain. At this point, he's not playing anytime soon. That crack needs to heal. That crack is whack. So I'm just telling you. I mean, I don't have, there is no timetable. If you talk to Twins folks, if you talk to Buxton Camp folks, there is no timetable because they don't know exactly when that crack will heal. But at this point, he will wait for the crack to heal. He's not playing through the crack anymore. And when it does heal, I would bet that he goes on a rehab assignment. So we're still looking at a while until Buxton is back in the Twins lineup. Yeah. Thanks uh, to Doogie for joining us a couple hours ago. And that and crack was whack. That's... Crack is whack. Just remember that. I was waiting for something like that. <laughs> he kept saying crack. I knew, crack I knew there was going to be something. I knew <laughs> there would eventually be something there. Uh, the Twins are the, the top of the order has come back around here. We're in the bottom of the second inning. Adrianza has teed off now. You guys spent the whole show ripping Adrianza. I've just been defending him over I here. Said from guy the, hits a bomb off James Shields, who was once a great American League pitcher. I've said for two weeks now, launch angle for Adrianza is fantastic, and no one listens yeah. to me. You know you have a problem as an aging starting pitcher if guys like Adrianza are swinging for the they're swinging for like the deepest parts of right field and succeeding. We actually have a target field record. James Shields has now given up 13 home runs to the Twins. That is uh, the most innings? by an opposing pitcher. It doesn't say. Can't be that many. It doesn't say. It just says. It doesn't that last very long in his start. That, <laughs> that home run was the 13th given up at Target Field to the Twins by James Shields. Wow. Congratulations, Who's pitched for whom? man. Kansas City. He was really City? good with the Rays and for a minute with Kansas City. That, okay. Rays, Kansas City, San Diego, and then White Sox. Yep. I in fact, he was the year before the Royals went to the World Series, he was part of the resurgent team that won like 86 games. I don't know if he got, I can't remember if he got a ring with them or not, but uh, second inning is now over. Twins up 3 nothing on the White Sox. Uh, another segment to go here, Mackie and Judd, who's going to talk about prime mortgage lending. Indeed, I am. And if you're looking for a mortgage company, folks, I want to suggest my friends at Prime and Kent McCullough. And I've been talking to you about this for, uh, for months now, but this isn't, and the important thing here, this isn't about simply selling you on something. This is about earning your trust first. That's what Prime and Kent both w- want to do. In fact, they would rather earn your trust than sell you a loan. And you're saying, okay, that sounds fantastic, Judd, but tell me exactly what that means. And I will tell you that means while Prime would love to have you as a client, what they want to do is meet with you first. They want to sit down and Kent and the folks at Prime want to explain their plan. And then after that, the decision is up to you. That's because this is about uh, two very, very important things. And those things are collaboration and teamwork. It's what Prime is all about. It's what they believe in. And if you're shopping for a mortgage, you can count on Prime and Kent to give you sound advice and straight answers. For instance, Prime wants to take some of the mystery out of that mortgage process for you. Did you know Prime may be able to put together a program that can actually pay your closing costs? That's right. All you have to do is go to the website, goprimewithkent.com. That's goprimewithkent.com. Once again, goprimewithkent, K-E-N-T dot com. Now back to Mackie and Judd, live from the T-Cell Broadcast Studios. This is going to be my happy place. On 1500 ESPN. Join past and present NHL players for a day of golf at the 2018 Minnesota NHL Alumni Classic. This year's event is taking place Monday, July 16th at White Eagle Golf Club in Hudson. In addition to that round of golf, each registration includes on-course food and beverages, dinner, player gifts, and more. For more details and to register, head to 1500ESPN.com, keyword events. Thank you, Dave. Barrios is filthy right now. Only 30 pitches through two and two-thirds. Paul's at the game. Good. He did make it he from made the it for first graduation. Pitch. Yep. Yeah. I think we're maybe a day late on this, but we haven't brought it up on the show. It's totally worth bringing up. I saw this on Deadspin. Did you guys see this obituary? Oh, yeah. Yes, it's I from did. Red, it's, the, it's from the Redwood Falls Gazette. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was a paid obituary. It's a Minnesota obit. Yep. 
A paid obituary for, from Monday, both online and in print. Yep. Sometime Tuesday, the newspaper deleted this obit from its website. And, uh, well, here, here's the obit. Yes. Kathleen Demlo. And there's a picture of Kathleen. God rest her soul. Elderly woman who mm-hmm. apparently passed away. Uh, Kathleen Demlo Schunk was born on March 19th, 1938, to Joseph and Gertrude Schunk of Wabasso. Or Wabasso? I think Wabasso is how we go with that. Wabasso. She married Dennis Demlo at St. Anne's in Wabasso in 1957 and had two children, Gina and Jay. So far on the right track here. This is great. Yep. Pretty standard obit. Yep. These are, by the way, these cost a lot of money. I, you and I oh, both yeah. found that. Well, you've worked in newspapers, but yes, I was like, when my mother passed away oh, last year, I was you. like, I'm sorry, how how much? They get you. It's like several hundred dollars for one of these. So <laughs> someone paid money, like a lot of money for this. In 1962, she became pregnant by her husband's brother, Uh-oh. Lyle Demlo, and mm. moved to California. Didn't see that one happening. She abandoned her children, Gina and Jay, who were then raised by her parents in Clements, Mr. and Mrs. Joseph Schunk. So we like them. She passed away on May 31st, 2018 in Springfield and will now face judgment. She will not be missed by Gina and Jay, and they understand that this world is a better place without her. A lot of areas where that just went wrong. Uh, yeah, that, um, uh, that takes a turn. I love like the first paragraphs are like very standard obit, and then the third paragraphs like, oh, okay. In the all right, in the present world in which we live today, that obit didn't surprise me a bit. There's so much hate and anger now. Well, people moved to California, right? Why, why wouldn't we're a you, mobile society now? Why would why why? Honestly, why? Like, I get it. You hate your mom. Okay, cool. Kids hate their parents sometimes. This is a pretty clever way of getting back at your mom, though, right? But really? And now that it's all over the internet, it's totally... If, you're, if your goal was to spread I'm, the word to as many people as possible, it's funny that you started off by just putting it out in a small-town newspaper, but now it's on Deadspin and everywhere. I'm vind- so you got your money's worth. I'm vindictive. I would never do that. I find myself to be vindictive. I mean, at least credit them for doing it, obviously, after she passed, versus finding some clever way to get it out before she passed away and having to, you know, forcing her to live with that shame if she feels any. Okay, why if why would the newspaper pull this? First of all, like, can you pull it? It's um, they ran in the newspaper. The Star, the Star Tribune did a story about this obit. And they actually went and talked to their obit people, and they said that newspapers do have standards that you're not supposed to. The the Star Tribune story said that they have previously had obits, not, probably not this egregious, but they've had odd ones cross their desk, and they kick them back to the person who wants to place it and say, you, "You're going to have to, you're going to have to clean this up or redo it." Okay. So I think this comes down to just in good taste. Now, what's interesting is. If I'm not mistaken, from my journalism classes, you can't libel the dead, correct? How many journalism classes did you take in one semester? I took one at the U, but my journalism classes at at the Star Tribune were many. And I I believe I learned a lot. taught by Sid? I believe, yeah. Every obit was a Now that's one where I'm going to get even. That's a good point. Okay. This this stiff, this genius passed away. But I don't think you can libel the dead. So I think you can get away with this without a problem. Who are... if it's your parent, who's a who's a third party? 
Well, the parent, you know, no, 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 but if you came out, if you came out and put this about your parent in a newspaper and they, they were alive, you might get sued. Oh, you mean if they're alive? Yes. But if they're dead, it's I'm okay. Saying, I'm saying it's the perfect... Can you is. libel someone if they're dead or can someone no, sue on their behalf? I, I don't think they can. That's my point. I believe, I believe that these people found the perfect way to get, to basically slander their mom without any, any fear of retribution from, from her. Well, now we got to clear up whether it's slander or libel, but whether or not, if it's the truth, if that's how things went down. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, it's just, but why? Yeah, it seems like it's very factual, actually. I'll go back to my question. Why? Because it's kind of funny. I don't know. Because you're very vindictive and you hate your mom and you've hated your mom for a long time, Judd. I think that's why. Wow. I just, come on. The past I mean, I'm is trying to think of what Judd would write for various sports executives in this town if they, well, but God rest their I'd souls, say they to did, pass away. I'd say they did a horse bleep job, but I wouldn't put in about stuff about their personal like, life. What like would a, you've written on Chuck Fletcher's obit uh, career with the wild obit a couple months ago? We don't have time for that right now. <laughs> <laughs> what about Brad Childress? What if Brad Childress, unfortunately, you know, like swallowed a whole football and didn't make it to the day. Seven words for Brad. Seven words. Was never comfortable in his own skin. Wow. Look at you. I like that a lot. I thought your seven words would be something like... No, I like I liked Brad. Enjoy drinking vodkas the I, size you know of Judd's head. That's Ul- seven right there. Ultimately, I liked Brad. I just never felt he was a man who was comfortable Actually, being himself. Brad Childress writing, a coach. A, writing an obit for you would be the more interesting one. Oh, would yeah, Brad, well, that wouldn't be Brad good. Brad Childress writing That, that wouldn't be good. <laughs> That would be uh, that would yeah, be Judd, uh, yeah I get uh, overrated as a uh, beat writer yeah he uh, would that wouldn't be good uh, uh, Lomo at the plate James Shields is struggling it's against just the Twins about done. Three, three nothing Twins here uh, we'll be back with a game show Friday and some write that down tomorrow Lou Nanny will join the show tomorrow either to recap the Stanley Cup Finals or to talk about Capitals Panic too it depends on what happens tonight see you guys. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, Where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars, and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel, and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. This view was worth a hike. Right? And it's a good way to stay on top of my health. Yes. I'm Cologuard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk. Have you screened for colon cancer? Not yet. Don't wait. It's more treatable when caught in early stages. Tell me more. Cologuard is non-invasive and it's used at home. It detects altered DNA in your stool to find 92% of colon cancers. 92%? Yep, even those in early stages. This was seen in a clinical study with patients 50 and older. Any positive results should be followed by a diagnostic colonoscopy. False positive and negative results may occur. Cologuard is not a replacement for colonoscopy in high-risk patients. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon cancer. Most insured patients pay $0. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Cologuard is right for you, or visit Cologuard.com. I'm in.